Great. How is everyone doing? Thank you. Uh, I just want to start by first welcoming anyone that's not from New Philadelphia Church. Uh, Welcome to Friday Fire, to our prayer meeting. Um, Here at New Philadelphia Church, we have nine core values. And uh, most of our members have it memorized, right? And so what's number one? Be extravagant in worship. Two, freedom is for everyone. Three, father the fatherless. Four, be faithful in the small things. Five, anointing flows from the top down. Six, roll with the punches. Seven, supernatural is natural. Eight, (laughs) contend for the kingdom. And nine, dream big. Today, I want to focus in on one of these core values. And that is number two, freedom is for everyone. Uh, Specifically here at New Philadelphia Church, we believe that freedom is for everyone. That means that one, freedom is for you. Galatians 5.1, it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Freedom is also for your neighbor. When we come into the kingdom of God, we are qualified to set our brothers and sisters free. The the, um, vision statement of this church comes from Isaiah 61, which says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He has anointed me to what? Proclaim good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, release from captive for the prisoners. Freedom is for you. Freedom is for your neighbor. But there is also a benevolent freedom for all who are made in the image of God. Thus, freedom is not just for Christians. In Matthew 5.45, it says that God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, although the freedom that we enjoy as saints is immeasurably uncomparable to the type of freedom that we can get from this world, God still desires that measure of freedom for every single person created in the image of God. Freedom is for everyone. Amen. It is by this desire for every single person made in the image of God to receive freedom that here at this church, we boldly proclaim what freedom is for everyone. If you go to the church website uh, under the core value of freedom is for everyone, it reads this. We believe it is for freedom that Christ died on the cross and where the spirit of the Lord is, what? Amen. Thus, our ministries of healing and deliverance, discipleship and accountability are all geared to get people free and keep them free. We also believe that Christ died to provide a benevolent freedom to all who are made in God's image. Thus, we also pursue Causes such as ending human trafficking and poverty to see everyone breathe freedom. Now, I think that as a church, we understand that we need to be free, right? We need, we understand that we first, we need to be free. We need to be walking in a level of freedom. With the vision statement coming from Isaiah 61, I think that we also understand that we are meant and we have an anointing to set others free. 
And so what I really want to focus on today is the latter, ha- the latter sentence in our value statement. And it is, thus, we also pursue justice causes such as ending human trafficking and poverty so to see everyone breathe freedom. This is why we have prayer meetings like this. This is why we come to pray. Uh, This is why we have prayer meetings like joint prayer meeting, where we come together and we pray for the freedom of North Korea. It's because God's called us to be people, to set people free even beyond the four walls of the church. God desires for his people to be spiritually free, But he also desires for people in concentration camps, people tied physically in bondage, in prison, people who are slaves to sex trafficking, modern-day slavery, to be free. Um, Pastor Joel mentioned that I'm graduating from seminary this Tuesday, 10.30 a.m. If you guys want to come, make sure to take a picture with me before you leave. Okay, don't just bounce, and I, or I want a picture with you. Uh, but 10.30, Tuesday, I would love to see you there. Uh, but one class that I ended my semester with was a class called Freedom and Justice, taught by Pastor Eddie Byun. And uh, yeah, you guys are excited, right, <laughs> about that class? I avoided it like it was the plague. <laughs> I did not want to take this class. I really didn't. Uh, I was going, I even went to such extreme measures. I was going to take this family counseling class. Um, some of you are thinking that sounds fun, but, uh, I'm not interested in counseling and that family counseling syllabus was eight pages long. It was intense. Like you had to go through your family trees, family trees, family tree. It was, it was insane. And it was 8:30 AM on Wednesday, but I was willing to even take that class in order to avoid freedom and justice on a Friday where my schedule was completely open. Why? Okay. I had a little grudge against Pastor Eddie Bion. <laughs> I took his pastoral leadership class two semesters ago. And uh, because of his class, <laughs> I don't have straight A's. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't for his class, I would have straight A's all through seminary. I would have been number one in my entire class, but now I'm number two. I took, I took strength finders recently. My number one strength is what competition, but you know what? Um, I had a grudge against one of the most anointed men of God. If you guys don't know, pastor Eddie Byun, he's a a forerunner in the justice cause against sex trafficking. And so not just here in Korea, but all around the world, he travels with the message of justice on his tongue. And so I had this grudge against this really anointed man of God. And uh, obviously God wasn't going to leave me there. And so very, very, very long story short, I ended up taking his class. Ironically, I took this class on justice and avoided it due to a feeling of injustice. <laughs> he said it was because of my tardiness. Oh, lesson learned. And my, my schoolwork was perfect though. Okay. Uh, anyways, 
I took this class, and what I came out of from this class is a revelation of God's heart for justice. My heart began to burn for justice. And also a revelation of how shallow my view of injustice and possibly our view of injustice is. Now, I think that there's no doubt that we are all made in the image of God because at some point in your life, you felt, you know, that, that feeling of injustice, whether it be someone cutting in front of you. Road rage. Um, I don't know. If you grew up in America as an Asian, hmm? racism, someone disrespecting your mom, that gets me mad. Um, one thing that really burns is uh, if I walk on the street and I see animal abuse. Some of you animal lovers know what I mean, right? Like, like you'll see someone abusing their child and you're like, oh, should I do something? But you see someone kicking their dog, you're like, stop right now in the name of Jesus. I don't know. I'm like that. <laughs> that was how shallow my view of injustice was, okay? Uh, or trees. I'm from, oh, Rona. I'm from Seattle. So there is a tree lover in me. And I, I saw someone carving a heart in a tree for no reason. And, uh, and I remember, oh, I don't, I don't want to share this, actually. It's embarrassing. Um, anyways, the sap came out, and I, I felt like it was crying. <laughs> oh, shouldn't have shared that. Ugh. Anyways, true injustice. Okay, let's go back into true injustice. What, that's how my, shallow my view of injustice was. But true injustice is when freedom is for... Everyone, but they are denied of that freedom. When people that should have a voice, okay, at least animals, I was thinking God's given us dominion over them. So it's not that bad, I guess. But people that are created in God's image, that are supposed to take dominion of this earth, who are given rights and privileges, are enslaved by their own brothers and sisters. That's... That's, that's a different level of injustice, isn't it? God is, is concerned not just about our bondages to sin, but also the physical abuse, torture, and imprisonment of people that he's created in his image. The slaves of this modern day, often the stateless, the orphans, and the widows. Freedom is for everyone, yet, even though we boldly declare freedom is for everyone, there is still over 30 million in slavery around the world today. Slavery has not ended but the thing is, is that the people that are in slavery don't, don't know that freedom is for everyone. That's the problem that the church is facing right now. If you're like me and you grew up in America, you may think slavery ended with the 13th Amendment, okay, where slavery was abolished in America. Because oftentimes, I don't know about you, but when I think of slavery, I immediately think of the African slave trade. 
That's what I learned in school. And so I, I thought, okay, slavery ended at some point. And then when I heard modern day slavery, I thought, hmm, is this slavery ended? And then we just have a form of slavery now that is different from the form that we had before. But that's not true. Modern day slavery is not that slavery ended and has now begun. It's not a modern day phenomenon. It's actually a revival of the desperate call for help. A desperate call, a revival of the desperate call for freedom. Slavery never ended. The victims have just changed from black Africans to women and children to a point where today no race, no gender, no age can actually define it. For example, in India, children, if you've watched Slumdog Millionaire, children are mutilated and used as slaves by the beggar mafia. In Philippines, China, Indonesia, North Korea are among the worst in slave labor exploitation. Africa, Myanmar, and other places have child slaves as soldiers, child soldiers. It's not just in impoverished areas, but did you know that Korea, Korean women is actually the number two, uh, number two most trafficked women into America. Earlier, I said that 30 million are in slavery around the world. To give you a better understanding of what that means, if we think back to the African slave trade, right? In between 1525 to 1866, between 1525 and 1866, nearly three centuries combined there were only 12 million slaves. But current day, there's over 30 million. That's an estimate, but there's actually a organized, uh, IJM, International Justice Ministry, is a Christian law firm. And they actually uh, estimate that there's actually, with all that cannot be calculated underground, things that can't be uh, put into their statistics, there's actually 30 million Slaves in India alone. Every eight seconds, someone is sold into slavery. Eight. To give you a picture of that, let's do a countdown. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Someone was just sold into slavery. of slaves are sold for sex. Every continent in the world is involved in sex trafficking. Sex is a much more lucrative market than drugs or arms because unlike drugs, um, women can be sold over and over again. Uh, 80% are females and 50% are minors. Like I said, modern-day slavery is not a modern-day phenomenon, but it's just a revival of a desperate call for help. 
And as a church, uh, will we respond to this call for help? Knowing that freedom is for everyone, will we respond by setting the captives free? That's my question for you today. Uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. God, we thank you, Lord, that your heart truly, truly burns um, for people even outside the church. Uh, Lord, forgive us, God, if we've, we've become too self-absorbed. Uh, and uh, God, today, as we're even gearing up for our mission teams to go out, Lord, give us a greater sense of your heart for injustice. God, t- teach us, God, how your heart burns for those that we minister to. I pray that your word would go out with clarity and that, Lord, that this message of justice would really end in a powerful note of hope because, Lord, you are a God of justice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you guys could turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 10. And then you guys can just keep your Bibles open to Psalm 10, the entire message. We're going to be going through the entire Psalms. Psalm 10. You guys want to read with me? Okay. Um, We're going to read to verse 4 first, okay? Uh, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boast of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. (laughs) The first thing that we really need to know is that God is a God of justice. In the face of injustice, we must not doubt God's justice. In the face of injustice, we must not doubt God's injustice. You might think, why would I ever doubt God's justice? Let me tell you, it's probably one of the first things that you do in the face of injustice. Especially sometimes as Christians, it's easier because we have a relationship with God. But as a non-believer, as a non-Christian, when you see injustice, the first thing that you do is you call God unjust. And so a very important thing for us as Christians is we have to defend God's name. For example, if you read in the news about the Pakistan, right? 132 children killed. Immediately, our heart knows to go to God But think about it for a moment. If you don't know God, what would you think? You would think, if there's a God that would allow something like this, I don't want to follow him. Right? You know, if you know my story, this is how I was. Um, I grew up in a non-Christian home. uh, Generationally non-Christian home. (laughs) We're the first generation of Christians. And I... I was walking across the street one day. I I used to go to school in New York City. And uh, when I was walking across the street, I got struck by a cab. 
And I got hit on the side, flew up, my head smashed into the windshield, flew off and landed about 20 feet away from the accident. And it was actually there that the Lord, I felt a really bright and warm presence on my right shoulder. And I heard the audible voice of God. Now, I didn't know who that was then. And so through a series of other supernatural encounters, God began to hint to me. And I started thinking, huh, was that voice the voice of who they called Jesus? But what did I do to deserve an accident like that? You know, for a year after that accident, I was um, mentally ill. And so I laid in my bed for almost a year. And I took, um, I was on anti-seizure medication, antidepressants. I couldn't sleep at night, so I was on sleeping pills. um, I was on everything. (laughs) And uh, the drugs slowly stopped working. But what was worse about that year, not, not being able to walk, not being able to eat properly, I had slight amnesia, not remembering certain people in my life. But what was worse was I had this inner turmoil within me, this bitterness, this unforgiveness, if you will, if you could even call it that because I didn't even know who God was. But I had this bitterness inside. God, if there is a God, why would he do this to me? And so I remembered I was laying in bed one day and, and, you know, back in fifth grade, you write everyone's phone book, phone number in your phone book. (laughs) I I still had that laying in my room. And, and so I, I remember that there was this one little fifth grader that was Christian. And so I find her phone book and I called her to yell at her. (laughs) I was a little, you know, (laughs) but I called her and I said, what kind of God do you believe in? And she's like, who is this? And I was like, you don't remember me? <laughs> but you know what she told me that broke me down into tears? Is I said, I don't want to follow your God. Your God's jacked up. And uh, she goes, Emily, I want to tell you something. Just like there is a God, there's also a devil. And I was like, hmm? And she goes, The devil knows how close you are to God, and he's trying his hardest to pull you away. It's so simple, right? Sometimes we just need to tell people that there's darkness. Christians, we stay so far away from darkness. People need to at least know that there is, or else they're going to blame everything on God. And immediately I was like, wow. And it was there that I received my initial You know, that was my kind of my initial salvation. That was when I decided, wow, okay, maybe I need to dive a little deeper. And then as I became Christian and I began sharing my testimony, I still didn't know very much. I come from a non-Christian home. So I remember I was giving a, my testimony and I, and I always thought, okay, God hit me with the car. (laughs) I was like, that's the best thing God could have ever done because I wasn't listening to him. But is that, is that a God of justice? A God that would take revenge on you because you didn't do something. You know, no one had the boldness. (laughs) No one had the boldness to tell me that God didn't hit me with the car until I met Pastor Christian, my spiritual father. And he, 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 he talked to me, you know, who would do that? I'm testifying. And he goes, hey, and gently, he was like, you know what? I don't. I think we need to get something straight. I don't think it was, it was God that hit you with the car. I, th- I think that 
I think it was the devil that hit you with the car. God knew the plans and purposes for you to stand right here on the stage to proclaim his word powerfully, even before the day that you were born. And the devil tried to take you out prematurely. But Emily, let God repay you for everything that the devil has stolen. And man, I'm still reaping. I'm still reaping. God is a God of justice. In the face of darkness, we must stand by God's word. And God's word says, Deuteronomy 32, 4, all his ways are justice. Isaiah 61, in our own, uh, our, our vision statement, where our vision statement comes from, Isaiah 61, 8, for I, the Lord, love justice. Amos 5.24, God desires justice. He says, but let justice roll down like waters. See, if we don't understand that God is a God of justice, then if you look with me at verse 4, which we just read, it says, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are there is no God. There's no difference from us if we don't understand that he's a God of justice and that we can turn to him. There's no difference in us and them. In saying there's no God. We must stand firm, never doubting God's identity as a God of justice. So the first thing is, in the face of injustice, we must not doubt God's, in, God's justice. Two, in the face of injustice, we must know justice comes only from God alone. God is a God of justice, and justice comes only from God. It does not come through method. It does not come through lawmakers. It does not even come through government policymakers. It does not come through policemen. Justice comes from God alone. Proverbs 20, 24, it says, Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. Um, in Cambodia, in one of the cities in which one of our teams is going to tomorrow, uh, tomorrow evening, they're going to be taking off. Uh, in, specifically in the city that they are flying to is Phnom Penh. And sex trafficking is actually a very big issue there. Women are tricked and sold into slavery into brothels that look like torture chambers. Okay, and they're kept there for years. There are certain girls that are raped up to 700 times just in one year. They're chained to their beds, and some of them, when they come out, they don't even know how old they are. But as greed, sexual perversion, lust intensifies, victims are becoming more innocent, more vulnerable, and younger. Uh, in a region where our Cambodia team is going to is a region called Sphai Pak. And in this region, there's something called the virgin trade. Something called the virgin trade. And a pastor that actually ministers in that area, he estimates that about 90% of the girls there are all sold for their virginity. 90%. We may have the temptation to think, um, what can we do about this? Right? What can we do as the church? And we'll look to the government or the police. But they actually are the very ones that are purchasing and protecting this business. 
Um, Cambodia, this, really, this message is going to really benefit you guys. But uh, in Cambodia, the Transparency International Corruption Perception Index, basically it's just how corrupted is this country, okay? And uh, they are ranked 160 out of 175. And so the, the problem is actually from the top down. While our natural tendency is to look up, that's actually where the corruption is coming from. And so there was actually one girl named Chamnan, and she was sold by her mother to a police general at the age of 18 for six days for $900. On the third day, she was so weak and distressed that the man called for a doctor on his own payroll to come and give the girl a vitamin shot and painkillers, not because of her health, but in order to get her to be able to keep going until the six days was up. Another senior police officer was given one year to live due to cancer, and his wife gave him permission to use family money to enjoy himself before he died. A police officer said, we knew he was buying a new virgin every week, but there was nothing we could do. Cambodia, did you know this? Team Cambodia. Due to the poverty of certain areas, they even bring their children to beer gardens. Okay, I was in Cambodia actually last year, and so I did see these beer gardens, and I really regretted that I didn't know more about the country then. But uh, what happens at these beer gardens is that most of the girls, they actually sell sex at night. But what also happens is a lot of the mothers, they bring their young girls there because it's so poor there. And a lot of these uh, officers and government officials come to these beer gardens, and they will choose and reserve young girls. And what they'll do is it's so poor that they actually pay for the rice for the family until the girl reaches a place of adolescence where she can be sold. If we look back at our passage, follow with me in verse 5. His ways prosper at all times, these traffickers. His ways prosper. He's prospering. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages, like the beer gardens. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. And these children, the helpless, are crushed. They sink deep and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see this. You know, one government is out of the question, right? We need to contend for Christ's followers to be in places of government, but to depend on a government is, is not possible, right? The second point is that justice comes from God alone. The second place that we might look for protection is from their family members. But the most shocking thing is our, the criminals are not the brothel owners, are not the sex traffickers, but it's actually the girl's parents, relatives, 
loved ones, neighbors. How do you crack a system like that? You can't go from the top down or the bottom up. Justice comes from God alone. Justice comes from God alone. You know, some might ask, well, if God is a God of justice and justice comes from God alone, why hasn't he done anything? Let me tell you, this is what we know. This is the good news. He has. God has done something. He died. He sent his only son on the cross for us so that we may not be enslaved to sin. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Freedom is for everyone. Christ has already won. Victory is already ours. We just have to proclaim it. We just have to go out throughout the streets and say, hey, freedom is for everyone. Can we do that? St. Teresa of Avila, she was a leader during the monastic movement. She said, Christ has no body on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Until Christ returns, we are God's plan for justice. Will we be his hands? Will we be his feet? Will we be his body? As verse 4 says, if we don't, we're no different from saying there is no God. Verse 12. Actually, let's not go there yet. <laughs> Isaiah one seventeen, it says that we are to learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. I'm going to bring us into our third point before going back into our passage. The third point. So the first point was that in the face of injustice, we must not doubt God's justice. Second point was... In the face of injustice, we must know that justice comes from God alone. Three, in the face of injustice, we must pray and expect God to move. This must be our expectation that the Lord is going to come through. This is the faith aspect of our prayers. This is why we pray. You know, um, I've been meditating on Romans 4 for Months and months and months and months. And Romans 4.18 is, says, Abraham hoped against all hope. Are you hoping even when everything looks hopeless? Because if you have no hope, then there's really no purpose for action. If you don't believe that God's going to come through, there's no purpose for you to pray. If you're not expecting God to move, there's, who are you praying to? If you don't believe that someone is listening on the other side is going to listen and move according to your prayers. There's no difference from that in an idol. We must pray and expect God to move. Now we can jump to verse 12. Arise, O Lord. Here we go. Love these turning points in the Psalms. 
O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. These girls are praying. They have nothing they can do but pray. Will the church answer their call? To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil doer, Lord. Call his wickedness to count till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations shall, the nations perish from his land. Oh Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. He hears their prayers. Do we? You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. See, on your mission trips, when you're traveling, will you pray freedom over the land? When you're in your vans with your indigenous pastors and they say, hey, so we're going through the region of Svai Pak right now. Are you just going to say, okay, how long are we going to get there? I'm not condemning you. I've done this. How long are we going to get there? 30 minutes. Okay. Are you going to wait until you get to the place of ministry to do ministry? Are you going to be missionaries that are going to be traveling the nation you're called to, declaring freedom wherever you go? We must pray and expect God to move. Even those of us who are supporting, who are praying here. Are you declaring freedom for the captives? Are you declaring an Isaiah 61 anointing over those whom you're sending? Because God hears our prayers, not just the teams that are going out. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you all are one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Freedom is what? For everyone. I want to hear you guys shout it. Freedom is for everyone. Unless we tell them, some will never know. All of us, when we were in, still in bondage to sin, someone had to tell you, right? Someone had to tell you that, hey, did you know you're free? Will we be that voice? Um, going back to America... Oh, during the African slave trade in 1776, a declaration of independence was called And There was one line there that declared freedom. And it says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. See, this was a declaration that said slavery was no longer a part of the country. That was in 1776. Fast forward, almost a whole century later, 1865 was the 13th Amendment that I talked about earlier, that 
officially abolished slavery. Slavery continued to exist. Now, even after the 13th Amendment in 1865, slavery still continued to exist. When this was issued, do you think that the slave owners told their slaves, hey, you're free? No. How could they do that? Because they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have access to the news. They couldn't even do a hashtag latergram. I'm learning a lot about social media right now. Uh, they had no access to the news. The good news. Those with the good news, if they don't tell them, then they remain in slavery. No one, we have to be a people that can tell them, hey, no one can actually stop you from being free because of what is written. And what is written is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But since no one has told them, slaves remain slaves, living in bondage, even though they were already set free. You know, there's problems of corruption, there's problems of poverty, but the ultimate issue is sin. The the heart sin, greed, all of that, it it comes through sin. And that is the good news. That's exactly what Jesus Christ died for, is for our sin, so that we shall no longer be enslaved to sin. In the past, church always was the leader for the abolition movement, but currently we are in a day and age where we have the most slaves, but the greatest church apathy. I'm going to close soon. My relationship with Pastor Eddie, supernaturally, there was supernatural reconciliation. (laughs) The moment I stepped into that classroom, it it, it was strange. He just said hi to me, and I was like, oh, hi. (laughs) And I just knew. I had, no, really, I had so much bitterness towards him. You don't even know. It was really supernatural. I walked in and I was just, everything just melted. I was like, oh, wow, he likes me. He, and he asked how, you know, how my break was. And I knew through that supernatural reconciliation that he probably didn't even know about that there was a reason God had called me into that class. And you don't know how much turmoil I went through to try to preach this message. I was like, oh, I'm not equipped. I'm not a forerunner. I'm not Pastor Eddie Bion. I don't know the facts right. But you know what? As long as you have God's heart, you can preach. You can speak on God's heart of justice. And I was so um, close to making myself inadequate to preach this message. And just this past, this is how much we've reconciled. <laughs> this past Monday, I went to a dinner and he, he came just to say hi to me. And he's like, hey, how are you doing? I was like, hey, I really want to preach this message on just so I'm so scared. And he just laid a hand on me. He just began to pray. And he just said, Emily, you have to do this. You have to do this. You know, so often we just rely on forerunners, Pastor JM, or Pastor JM, 
Yeah, Pastor Jim too. He leads Jerusalem ministry, which is actually orphanage ministry. But they have, they see it through a lens of making sure that the orphans, the most vulnerable to society are taken care of so they don't become victims of sex trafficking. But we can't leave it up to Pastor JM. Cassandra Robertson, she was one of our core leaders at New Philly Church. She led a ministry called Unearth. And it was to uproot the causes of human trafficking. But we can't leave it up to her either. If you actually listen to all of their messages, they're kind of like the prophetic roosters. And they're saying, hey, awaken. Sleeping, all those who are in slumber, awaken. And if you listen to the end of all their messages, it's you have to speak up. You have to do something. And it was through that that I said, you know what? I was a soldier that was awakened. I refused to go back to sleep. And that's the mentality we have to have, is that we all can carry this message of justice. Because it's not a social movement. It's not a social justice cause. It's the heart of God. Martin Luther King, he says, nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. If we truly believe freedom is for everyone, then we need to fight against the spiritual forces that are trying to keep people enslaved. Freedom is for everyone. Amen. Verse 16. I love it. The Lord is king forever and ever. You know, we, our church, I, I, I read to you our, our value statement. And we partner with certain organizations that have justice upon their heart. But there's a special thing that tugs at God's heart during this season. When missionaries are sent to actually act. And go forth into all these nations that we pray for to declare freedom is for everyone. This season is not only you know, just a few of us, but it's an unprecedented amount of soldiers that are going out. This, God, this moves God's heart. But will we be a church that releases justice to the nations? I'm going to close with a story. And if Susie wants to come up, she can as well. I'm going to close with this story. And this is what really, I'm going to share with you what really lit my heart for this. Uh, I sat through class not really listening until I got to this moment. And it was when I began to read about Cambodia because I went on missions just last year to Cambodia um, with the dance team. I was the preacher. And um, as I began to do this research, I remembered one revival service, a youth revival service where we went to an orphanage. And that orphanage, they invited a lot of people from around that area in Phnom Penh, that region I was telling you guys about, okay, where sex trafficking is a very big issue. And I remember preaching a message on the Father's heart and then releasing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember praying and praying, but it was hard. It was hard ground to break. And not everyone was manifesting, but there was one particular girl in the corner. She was just bawling, crying, 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 crying. And then even the lights turned on, everyone was fellowshipping in the back, but she was still standing there just hunched over crying. She's probably about 10, 12. Okay. And I saw her and so I walked over there and then there were some older girls just consoling her, stroking her head. 
it's okay, it's okay. And so I tried to get the story because the older girls could speak a little bit of English. And so I asked the older girls and I said, hey, what's, what's her story? Why is she crying like this? What's she feeling? Can I pray for her? And, you know, honestly, inside I was rejoicing because, you know, New Philly, we're a church that's marked by fire. And when we go on missions, we want to impart fire because it's good. And, and I wanted, I was so happy that this girl was receiving the fire of God because you could see it all over her. But as I asked the older girls, hey, what, what's, what's going on with her? They just stroked and they go, oh, she's okay, she's okay. And I said, no, 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 what's going on? She, she just has a bad family. She's okay, though. She's okay. As in the tone of voice was, we've all been through this. It's okay. She'll be fine. But she just couldn't even move. She was just crying. And, and the sorrow with which she was crying, I just, I felt in my spirit something was off. But at that time, honestly, I was just rejoicing because the fire of God had fell in a manifest way. But as I was doing my research, and I, I heard 90% of these girls are sold for their virginity. Their ages is between 10 and 15, some as young as 4 to 5. She began to match every description. And then my heart broke because it was kind of like the spirit was telling me that was the missing piece. You know, and... It's okay to minister with fire, but we have to understand that when the Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What we're releasing is his spirit. And what she was experiencing was freedom. So when we release the spirit of the Lord, it's not so that they'll weep. It's not so that they'll scream. It's not so that they'll fall. But it's because they're experiencing freedom from bondage. And so we really, as we go on missions, we have to get that right. That when we release the spirit of God, what they receive is freedom. And we need to pray according to that freedom. Amen. And so I just want to right now, I know we're sending off three of our teams. And you guys know that God has anointed your tongue to boldly go into those nations and declare freedom is for everyone. It doesn't matter if you don't have the right words to say. It doesn't matter how you say it. You just have to have God's heart and know that his heart is a heart of justice. Whatever issue they're going through, God wants to rectify it. And so I just want to actually, um, let's have the whole church stand up. If you actually, no, let's have those who are sending and those who are going to.